Well, last Sunday, we began our series uh, entitled A Christmas Carol, and we talked about Christmas past. Uh, and today, uh, as you just saw, we're going to talk about Christmas present. And uh, as you noticed in the skit this morning, and maybe you noticed around your Christmas tree at your house, that unfortunately, Christmas present has become all about the presents, right? And we really, as a nation, as a culture, have really lost sight of what it really means to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so last week, we kind of took a little trip back in time, and we saw the birth of Christ and the celebration of the supernatural. We talked about the declaration of good news that brings great joy to all people. We talked about how that through Christmas, there was a heavenly invasion in which Jesus came to earth. Emmanuel, God, is with us. And so today we're just going to kind of take an evaluation of where we are in Christmas present. And really, uh, unfortunately, in many cases, how far we have shifted or drifted away from really, really where God uh, wants us to be. Uh, how many of you have ever been in Walmart when they called a code Adam? Anybody ever been in Walmart when they called a code Adam? Um, okay, a couple of you have. Well, about uh, 17, 18 years ago, Samantha was uh, about three or four years old, and uh, <clears throat> Kelly was uh, like this super overprotective mama, right? So when we would go to Walmart, all of our kids had to get inside the buggy, right? You couldn't walk by the buggy. You couldn't walk beside us. You had to get in the buggy. I mean, so it's like 18 years old. We're pushing them down the aisles at Walmart. I mean, it's really crazy, right? So she's like super protective of our kids. And so Samantha was about three or four years old, and she was just begging to get out of the buggy, begging to get out of the buggy. And so Kelly reluctantly gave in, right? And so she got her out of the buggy, and she told her, you got to hold on to the buggy, the whole time we're Walmart. Do not let go of the buggy. And so we're going down through Walmart and all of a sudden we look at something and we turn around and guess who's not holding on to the buggy? Samantha, right? She is gone. And we start looking for her and it's kind of a little bit fun and a little humorous. Samantha, where are you? Kind of thing. After about a minute or two, it's no longer fun. And all of a sudden our hearts sink and panic begins to set in. And, and you begin to really begin to anticipate, unfortunately, all the bad things that may have, could have happened in that moment when you can't find your child. And so I remember Kelly looking through the clothes and me going to the front and notifying one of the workers. And I remember him calling a code at him and shutting down Walmart for the Hodges family, right? And so they shut Walmart down and we're looking for her. And just a few minutes later, we finally find her. She's hiding in the center of some clothes. Thought she was playing a game, having some fun. After we loved her and killed her, it was really a great day, right? We were glad to have found her, you know. <laughs> and... uh and I was thinking about that story this week as I was praying about today in this message. And I was thinking about the fact that unfortunately in America, we could probably declare a code Adam over Christmas. Because we've lost the baby. We've lost the child. We've lost Jesus. Unfortunately, in the mix of the hustle and bustle of our Christmas season, we have almost forgotten what Christmas is all about. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it. I mean, it really is kind of crazy because Christmas is really all about Jesus, right? It is, it is a holiday, right? How I many you know the word holiday really comes from holy day? It is a holy day in which we have set aside to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And even though Christmas would not exist without Jesus, it is amazing how far we have come in a nation, in a culture, 
that we can celebrate Christ, we can celebrate Christmas in many homes across America and never celebrate Christ. And so today we're going to talk about really how do we rediscover Christ in our Christmas story and allow him to be the central theme and focus of our Christmas present. And it's really kind of good. Uh, you know, I love the Bible because when you read the stories in the Bible, you find out the people in the Bible were just like us, right? A lot of times we read the stories, we think they were really holy and special. But how many of you know the Bible says that they were just like me and you? The Bible talks about Elijah who prayed fire down from heaven. And the Bible says Elijah was a man with like passions, like us, right? When I read the Bible, I read a, about Peter and John and James and, and the different disciples and the followers of Christ and, and how they denied him and how they rejected him and how they, they struggled with believing him, even though they were seeing God do great and unbelievable things. It really encourages my heart to know that I'm not alone, <laughs> that all of us many times struggle with those things. And so when I thought about losing Jesus and I thought about a code Adam over our Christmas season, I thought about Mary and Joseph because we're not the first people to lose Jesus. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, we're going to look there together and read it. In Luke chapter 2, we actually read the story in scriptures where Mary and Joseph lose Jesus. I mean, they lose the Son of God. I mean, how pathetic is that? I mean, come on. You've been entrusted with this imaginable, unimaginable gift, and they lost him. And so this is kind of how the story goes here in Luke chapter 2. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents didn't miss him at first. They didn't miss him <laughs> at first. Because they assumed that he was among the other travelers, but when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him. And three days later, three days later, I mean, we lost Samantha for about five minutes. Three days later, the Bible says, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answer. So I want to answer the question, the next point on your outline, how do we lose Jesus? And what I want us to see today is from the story of Luke chapter 2, I want us to kind of draw some comparisons, some parallels from the story when Mary and Joseph lost Jesus to how we lose Jesus in our celebration of Christ and Christmas and how we lose Jesus, not even just at Christmas, but sometimes every day of the year. We have the capacity uh, and the ability to somehow lose him in the midst of everything uh, that's happening around us. So let's look at our first point. I want you to see this uh, from the story. So how do we lose Jesus? Number one, uh, we just simply get distracted by all the good things. You know, Mary and Joseph, they had, they had went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of remembering. It was a time in which they would come together. And, and imagine this. Everybody would come once a year. Everybody, all the Jews would come to Jerusalem and they would gather. And it was almost like a great big family reunion, right? It was, it was like your Christmas dinner, right? It was when everybody came together. People that you hadn't seen all year long. And they all came together and they journeyed to Jerusalem. And it was not only a celebration of a meal and a festival and a, 
and a time of remembrance of what God had done in delivering them from Egypt. But it was also this amazing journey that they would take together as they would travel to Jerusalem and then they would travel back home. And so here's Mary and Joseph in the midst of this celebration of the deliverance of their nation and of, of God's freedom over their lives as the children of Israel. And, and the Bible says that when they started home, that uh, they didn't miss Jesus. They, they just didn't miss him. And I believe the reason they didn't miss him is because they were just simply distracted by all the good things. How I many know oh, there's a lot of good things we do at Christmas? I mean, I, I was just thinking about this, and I actually, actually kind of had the thought, you know, we, if we're not careful, we can become very religious, very legalistic, and we can just suck the joy out of everything. Uh, I, I've met some joyless Christians in my life. I don't know if you've ever met any of them. But they're so religious and so legalistic that you can't enjoy anything. Uh, because somehow it becomes wrong to enjoy life. But I want to say to you today that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. And so I believe that our Christmas celebrations are really full of a lot of good things. I mean, just think about the fact that our families come together. I mean, this year, during this month, some of you are going to see people you don't see all year long. You're going to see people that you haven't seen in 12 months. And you're going to see people that you hadn't seen and you're going to fellowship with people you hadn't fellowship with. Your family, I mean, just think about it. Even on your job, your hectic schedule on your job is going to come to some screeching halt during this time of year. And you're going to actually stop and y'all are going to have a Christmas dinner together. And you're going to have a Christmas party together. And you're going to celebrate with people that you love and you work with and you care about. And you know what? That's a good thing. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about all the things we do at Christmas, and as I was thinking about it and praying about it, I really heard the Lord say to me, He said, Keith, He said, when I look at the things that we do at Christmas, the way we celebrate Christmas, the Lord said, many of those things that we do, He said, I really smile upon. I smile over the fact that families come together. How many know that God's in the business of putting families back together? God loves to see restoration and redemption. And it's amazing how that you can have a grudge against somebody and all year long. And at Christmas, we kind of find a way to bury the hatchet, to kind of move past it, to forgive the people and say, you know what? We just, it's Christmas. We got to get together. Well, I hadn't talked to them in six months. Well, it's Christmas, right? We got to get together. Sometimes the greatest victory is at Christmas is that everybody gets together and nobody kills each other, right? And sometimes we walk away and like, whoo, no, there was no fights, there was no arguments. Wasn't that amazing, right? But the reality is this, we come together, that's a good thing. Not only do we come together as families, but man, we come together and we cook and eat some amazing food. How many know food is good? Right? You know, I was just thinking about food is good. And I, I was thinking, I don't know what happens. It's like, it's like 11 months out of the year, people forget how to cook. And then December comes, and like the ovens come alive, right? They just come alive with all these fragrances and all these, these aromas and all these smells and all these cookies and candies and all this stuff. I'm like, where is this 12 months out of the year? I mean, I mean come on, guys. But we come together and we eat and we celebrate and we cook and all kind of fun things happen and, and then we give gifts. And how awesome is that? I was just thinking about, man, what a joy it is. How I many know oh, God's a gift giver? God is a gift giver. And I really believe the Lord takes pleasure as we share gifts with each other. And, and such a generous spirit happens at Christmas. 
Right? We give. We give to people that we love. We even give to people that we don't know, right? I mean, we help people that are homeless and we help people that are hurting and we help people that are struggling at Christmas time. We think about people that are less fortunate than us. We think about people that are struggling in life and we want to do something to make a difference in their lives. And all of that is really, really good. And I believe the Lord smiles on it. I believe the Lord delights in it. And I believe the Lord rejoices in all of those things. But how many of you understand that all of those good things without the God thing of Jesus just becomes a distraction? And we just get distracted. I'm just convinced that we lose Jesus in the midst of Christmas because we just get distracted by all the good things, Right? Man, we got this party to go to and that party to go through, and we got to cook this and we got to buy that and we got to wrap that and we got to decorate that. Right? Curtis loves decorating stuff, by the way. If you need help, just call Curtis. He loves to decorate stuff, right, Curtis? Not really. So don't call him or me. Call Stephen. He loves to decorate things. But you know what? All the hustle and bustle of Christmas, all the, all the distractions of all the good things. And if we're not careful, we'll become so distracted, distracted by the good things that we'll forget the God thing. We'll forget what we're really celebrating. We'll forget why we're really coming together. The reason we're all coming together is because of Jesus. The reason that we're giving gifts is because of Jesus. The reason we're cooking all that good food. I mean, even Jesus gets glory for that, right? It's all Jesus. I mean, think about it. We do the things we do at Christmas because there is a a holy day called the birth of Christ that somehow compels us to come together, to join our hearts, to be generous and caring and compassionate. And all of those things are all because of Jesus. And so, so we lose him by just simply being distracted. So I just want to encourage us this morning to keep our focus. I want to encourage us this morning to remember Him, to, to make sure that as we're celebrating all the things that we're celebrating, as we're doing all the things that we're doing, that we make sure Jesus is right there in the middle of it. And that He is the guest of honor that we celebrate. The second point I want you to see this morning, and it just kind of teeters right off that thought, is simply this, is that we... We assume that he is there, and I put in parentheses, and he is, right? How many of you realize that uh, there's, the, there's the omnipresence of God where God is everywhere? Then if you're a Christian, there's the indwelling presence of God where the Holy Spirit lives in you. And then, this is neat, and then there is the manifest presence of God where there is a tangible, touchable, transformational experience that you and I have with God that changes our lives. And so, he's there, but we just assume that he's there. See, Mary and Joseph, there was a great scripture there, we read it in Luke 2, it says, and they did not miss him because they assumed that he was among the other travelers. See, Jesus was 12 years old, and that was kind of a pivotal point in, in a young man's life in Jerusalem. If you were a Jewish boy around 12 years old, you began to, at 12, you became a man, and you began to step into manhood. And so for the first 12 years of your life, you kind of were under mother's care, right? And mama watched out for you, and mama took care of you, and mama did all those things. But when you became 12 in Jewish culture, you shifted from being a child under mama's care to now being a young man under father's care. 
And so I can imagine how as Mary and Joseph were traveling along, they assumed Jesus was there, right? Mary, who had been with Jesus for his entire 12 years of his life, she had watched over him, fed him, cared for him. She knew, oh, he's 12 now. She probably thought, oh, I don't see Jesus, but you know what? He's probably with his daddy. Because how many of you know that when all the family gets together, all the women go over here, and all the men go over here, right? Wherever the football game is, that's where the guys are. Right? And all the women over here. So I can just imagine Mary, they're traveling home. All the women are talking. They're talking about, man, did you see Aunt Sally's outfit she had on? I can't believe she wore that to Passover. I know none of you ladies ever do that. And then all the guys over here and Joseph and them are over here and they're like, man, did you see who won the donkey races? That was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Man, that red and white donkey, he was running. Sorry, Teresa. And so anyway, so, so they're, all, they're all doing their thing, right? They're all just doing their thing, and, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're not doing bad things. They're not doing sinful things. They're not doing evil things. And they're just assuming that because they're doing good things, Jesus is there. But I, I want to propose to you today that we lose Jesus when we operate out of that assumption, when we operate out of, well, he's omnipresent and he's indwelling. But you know what? I believe there's an element of Christ that we're missing at Christmas because I believe that Jesus reveals himself to those who honor him. I heard a preacher years ago make this statement. He said, God goes where he is celebrated, not tolerated. Right? Where he's celebrated and not tolerated. And I want to just challenge you to think about this. I want to challenge you to think about that, that if we don't want to lose him this Christmas then what would happen if we would just begin to create a place of honor for him in the midst of everything that we do to celebrate him? What if at our family dinners, we actually took just a minute and said, you know what, let's really just bow our heads and thank God for, for the blessing that he's given us. What happened if when we get ready to open our presents with all of our kids, what happened if we just took a few moments and paused and said, you know what, guys, the reason we're giving gifts today is because God gave the greatest gift. And we're giving gifts today because we want to honor the one that gave the greatest gift to us. And we want to celebrate him. What if in our generosity, what if when we're helping the, the needy and the poor and those that are less fortunate than us, what if instead of just giving them $20, what if instead of doing that, what if we let them know why we're giving them $20? What if we let them know why we're buying Christmas for their kids? It's not about me. It's not that we're that good. But the fact that I want to help your family is because God has helped me and I want to share his love with you. Well, what if we just begin to create places of honor for him? See, if Mary and Joseph, if Mary and Joseph would have had a place specifically for Jesus, it wouldn't have took them all day to miss him and it wouldn't have took them three days to find him. Right, if they'd have said, now I want you to be right here and this is who you're going to travel with and this is who you're going to hang out with and if I ever get looking for you, this is where I'm going to be looking. What if they had just created a place for him and said, this is where we expect you to be. We're going to put you in a place of honor. We're going to connect you right here. And when we come looking for you, we want to know this is where you are, Jesus. You know what? Instead of losing him for three days, they could have been like us in Walmart, maybe for five minutes, been wondering where Jesus was. But they just assumed he was among us. 
And I think we make that mistake. I think we make that mistake because we're doing good things, because we're loving our family and we're loving the unlovable and we're, we're giving gifts to the poor and the needy and we're, we're celebrating love and we're celebrating Jesus. I think we just automatically assume that he's there. And he is, but I believe he could be there in a greater way. I mean, imagine if you can this morning, think about maybe your greatest spiritual encounter with God. Maybe it was a church service. Maybe it was an encounter retreat. Maybe you were all alone in your bedroom. But think about maybe some of your greatest encounters with God. What would happen if your Christmas celebration created a place for those encounters to happen again? What if we so honored God? And again, I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about being preachy. I'm not talking about, you know, doing a one-hour sermon on Christmas morning to your kids. They'll hate you, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what if we just began to create places of honor where we honored him, where we glorified him, where we made sure we weren't just assuming that Jesus was in it. We actually created a place for him to be the center of it. We created a place of honor. I want to give you three scriptures. I hold up four fingers. I want to give you three scriptures out of the book of Revelations that just talk a little bit about honor. Look at this verse. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And look at the last part of this verse. For you created all things, and by your will they exist, and they were created. Everything was made by God, and everything was made for God. It was all made by Him, and it was all made for Him. Everything was created by His power, by His will, and they were created for His glory. And you are worthy. Look what it says. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Man, He's worthy. He's worthy to be honored. Everything that we do, the Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from God. So think about it. If you enjoy getting together with your family, that's a gift from God. If you have finances and you're able to buy gifts for the people you love, that's a gift from God. Right? If you're able to cook a fine meal and enjoy sweets and desserts and food that you normally don't eat 12 months out of the year, that's a gift from God. If you're able to help those that are less fortunate and care for those that are downtrodden and burdened, that is a gift from God. And He deserves honor. And He deserves honor. He deserves to be honored in that. To honor is to place great worth and great, great value upon. I mean, have you ever had guests over to your house? And you know what you do when you have guests over to your house? You honor your guests, right? You make sure, hey, just you give them the, you give them the good seat in the house. You give them the recliner that's not worn out, right? Sit over here, right? That's what you tell them to do. Sit over here. Don't sit there. Sit right here. Why do you do that? Because that's honor. What would happen if we just began to give honor to the Lord in the little things we're doing this season? And again, not weird, not preachy, not religious stuff, just, just genuine acts of honor, right? I mean, think about it. When we, we have Christmas dinner, we have Thanksgiving over at my sister's house. And, and uh, being the preacher, I always get asked to pray. Right? But when my dad is there, I, I, I pass that to him. Because I want to honor my dad. He's, he's the patriarch of our family. And I want to honor We wouldn't be here without him. And so... So I pass that little baton on to him. And it's not a big deal. It's not, it doesn't take three hours to do it. It's just a simple thing that's a, a way to give honor to whom honor is due. What if we did that with Jesus? Again, simple acts. 
from prayers that we pray to, to thoughts that we think to, to words that we share, just simple things integrated into how we celebrate Christmas that just makes sure that, you know what, we're not just assuming Jesus is here. We're going to create a place of honor for Jesus to be here. We're going to invite him in and seat him in the highest place of honor because the reality is without Jesus there is no Christmas. The last thing, the third point I want to share with us today it's simply this, and that is, oh, well, let me read, I'm sorry, let me read two more scriptures. Got two more great verses, I'm, I'm going to read them. It says, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the sea and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard say, now that's, that's an awesome verse, every creature in heaven and on earth under the earth, in the sea, I heard saying, look what he heard, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And every creature, as John got a glimpse of eternity, as John got a glimpse into heaven, you know what he saw? He saw all nations, all people, all creation. What are they declaring? Blessing and honor and glory and power to the Lamb who sits on the throne forever and ever and ever. To God be the glory. Amen? And to God be the honor. Let me give you our last thought this morning. How do we lose Jesus? We get distracted. We assume he's automatically there without ever actually creating a place for him. And last but not least, we just simply forget what really matters. This amazes me about me. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we can just forget what really matters? You can get so busy, right? You can get so busy working your job, paying the bills, raising the kids, taking care of your family, that at the end of the day, not just at Christmas, but 365 days a year, at the end of the day, you can actually just really forget what it's all about. See, I, I think we get bogged down with work and jobs because we forget why we're working. I got an awesome family I want to take care of. Don't you? That's why I'm working. I care about people. I'm not working because I have to have a job, I'm working because I love my family and I want to take care of the people that God has entrusted to my care. And when I begin to remember why I go to work every day and I realize I'm not working for them, I'm working for them. Right? And ultimately, the Bible says I'm working for Him. All of a sudden, when I begin to remember what really matters, it begins to change how I view my life, how I view the circumstances, how I overcome the challenges, because I begin to really remember what, what, it, what it's really all about. But we just simply forget. When it comes to Christmas, we get so busy, we get distracted, we get overwhelmed, we get doing all the good things that we do, and we just sometimes just simply forget that Christmas is all about Christ. And if we're not careful, we'll celebrate Christmas without ever celebrating Christ. And what a tragedy Amen. that we would celebrate Christmas and not celebrate Christ who's the only reason that Christmas even exists anyway. Let me give you a couple more scriptures. It's, it's the end of Luke chapter 2. 
It says his parents didn't know what to think. I bet they thought a lot of things. What do you imagine after three days? I'm going to love him and I'm going to kill him. That's probably what I would have been thinking. If I find him, he's going to be dead. Wouldn't that be what you'd say? <laughs> they didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Now look at Jesus' response. And Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? See, I think we forget what Christmas is all about. As much as the trees, the lights, the presents, the food, the family, as much as all that is good stuff, that's not what Christmas is all about. The Lord spoke to me, actually, just this morning, I was praying, getting ready for church today, and the Lord said this to me in my prayer time. He said, Keith, do you realize that Christmas, the first Christmas was literally an act of war? An act of of war. He said, when I sent my son Jesus to the earth, I was declaring war on sin, self, and Satan. I was declaring war on the enemy of your soul that had stolen you and robbed you and taken you away from me. I was declaring war on any and everything that stands between you and me and us having a right relationship together. So he said, Keith, do you realize that Christmas was literally a declaration of an act of war? And then he said this to me. He said, and not only was it an act of war, it was a strategic act of of war. He said there was a divine strategy in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said everything that I did through the life of Jesus was strategically planned as an act of war to redeem humanity and rescue us from our sin. And then he said this to me. He said, so if Christmas, the original Christmas was an act of war. And if it was a strategic act by God to bring redemption to humanity, this is what he said. He said, shouldn't your celebration of Christmas also be strategic in bringing people to redemption? What if we remembered what Christmas was all about? What if the family, the food, the gifts, and the fun was really a strategic opportunity for you to sow seed of the gospel into the lives of people that you may not get to sow into 11 months out of the rest of the year. But one month out of the year, they come to your house, they sit around your table, they break bread with you, they open their hearts to you, they open their lives to you. And you have an opportunity one time a year to sow the seed of the gospel into the hearts of the people. Again, I'm not talking about preaching sermons, I'm talking about sowing seed. What would happen if we began to look at Christmas and all the celebration of Christmas, family, food, fun, gifts, all the things we do? What if we looked at those things as an opportunity, a strategic plan by God to create an opportunity for us to sow seed into people's lives that don't know him? Because if they don't get your gift that you put under the tree, they'll be okay. But if they miss the gift of Jesus Christ, they'll spend eternity in hell. 
See, the reason we try to make a big deal out of our Christmas services, the reason we buy trees and lights and sparkle and, and puff and, and we do postcards and invitation cards, it's not because I want people to come hear me preach. It's because we recognize this is a strategic opportunity. There are two times in the year when people that normally don't come to church come to church, Christmas and Easter, right? And so we want to do everything we can do as a church, when I say take those cards and invite your family and friends, that's not Pastor Keith saying, hey, I want more people in my church. That is God saying this is a strategic opportunity for you to reach people that you could not reach, for you to touch people that you haven't touched, for you to invite people that maybe you haven't invited that will come and hear the seed of the gospel sowed and planted in their life. But not just at church. What would happen if you saw every Christmas celebration you were a part of as an opportunity Opportunity strategically to share the love, the life, and the hope of Jesus Christ. There are going to be people that are going to gather in your house this Christmas season that do not know God, that do not have a relationship with God, and the reality is if they were to die right now, they'd spend eternity in hell. So what would happen if you took a minute and said, hey guys, you know what, before we open all the presents today, I just want to, I just want to remind us all why we're even here. Again, not preachy, not long, strategic, specific, simple seed sowed into people's lives. Because Christmas time gives us an opportunity to speak and sow and invest in people that 11 months out of the rest of the year we don't have an opportunity to do. At least not in the way that we have now. They freely come to your house. They freely open your, their hearts. They freely are ready. There is something, right? The world would call it magical about this time of year. But we know it's not magical. We know it is spiritual. There's something spiritual about Christmas. Because it is a strategic event orchestrated by God, not only to declare war and bring redemption 2,000 years ago, but to continue to create opportunity for us to remember we must be about our Father's business. Because that is what really matters.